Eric Richard Stone has been creating Americana music since well before it was labeled as such. Raised in a musical family of professional classical musicians in Philadelphia and Rockport, Maine, he tried the cello, then was lured away by the ways of folk after hearing James Taylor, Jim Croce, Joni Mitchell, and Tom Rush. Eric wrote his first song in 1975 and never stopped. In 1983, he recorded his first album, then recorded his next album 30 years later. What happened during those 30 years could be best described as life. Eric is now a regular on the folk singer-songwriter circuit. His performance credits include Rocky Mountain Folks Fest, Bogosa Folk and Bluegrass, Four Corners Folk Festival, Red Lodge Songwriter Festival, and many more. He has shared the stage or opened for Utah Phillips, John Denver, Tom Rush, Chuck Pyle, Kate Wolf, and David Mallett. Eric writes songs that give a vocalist space for interpretation, whether sung straight or with embellishment. His songs have phrases that sound clear and natural. He wants the audience to catch every word and every meaning. I'm at the end of my road, feeling kind of tattered and worn. Welcome to the Raw Songwriting Podcast, where I challenge my guests to write a song in one week based on a random prompt, then sit down and talk about the process. Along the way, we talk about the broader craft of songwriting. I'm your host, David Coyle, and it's my pleasure to introduce Eric Richard Stone. Welcome to the show, Eric. How are you doing? Doing great, David. How are you? I'm doing mighty fine, mighty fine. Uh, so, well, we were just talking about um, over the over the pandemic, you ended up writing three albums worth of songs, and you produced what was it? Two? Did you say two, two and a half albums? How did that go? One one is self-produced. Uh, one is uh, produced with. Uh, K or uh, Carrie Miner and Ray Smith of the Strange Birds. Ray lives. Ray and Carrie live about five miles as the crow flies away from me, up here near Nederland, Colorado, and ha they have their own studio there. And uh, Ray is just a fantastic ge musical genius. Um, plays uh, so many different instruments uh, and did a lot of the instrumentation Carrie did some background harmonies and uh, we brought in other inst uh, other instrumentalists to work on the the first album that came out uh, just as things were closing down and uh, all of our tour schedules were canceled for the spring and summer yeah and then uh, I self-produced an album uh, of original music during the pandemic and then uh, worked with my band um, toward the end of the pandemic to uh, create a, another album that we just finished called Kitchen Table. Um, and that's kind of a, a bluegrass band that I usually play with called the Witness Protection Program. Ah, nice, nice. Well, so, so how many of the songs for those albums did you write during the pandemic or were they all ones from before that? I'd say most of them I wrote most during the pandemic. Uh, it was it was uh, especially the well the last two albums uh, were entirely written during the pandemic. Uh, usually I include a couple of cover songs on on each of my albums, but uh, all of the original tunes on the last two albums were definitely written during the pandemic. How did you did you find that the songwriting process was much different during the pandemic uh, than 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 it was beforehand? Well, I found myself uh, finding lots of material 
to write about uh, whether it was, uh, and, and I, the subject material of my songs is pretty diverse. Everything from political satire to uh, romantic relationships, uh, to romantic relationships gone bad, to a uh, feeling of loneliness and depression, to uh, nature, uh, uh, enjoying nature and being out in nature. I live up in the mountains at about 8,600 feet near Netherland, and uh, I'm surrounded by wilderness, uh. so it's uh, really easy to to find subject material there. That's that's it. so. Do you find living up in in that kind of natural setting to be really meditative, or um, do you, I mean, have you lived in a, you know more of an urban setting? How, how does it compare? I I have lived in urban settings uh, at times and and uh, infrequently, but most of my life has been spent outdoors and and uh, living uh, in a much more rural lifestyle. Um, it it's conducive to writing, uh, certainly, because I don't have to closet myself away in the studio. I can sit out on my deck in the sunshine and write. I can sit at the kitchen table with a, a mug of coffee. Um, usually, my, my best writing takes place in the morning uh, because for some reason, I, I find myself awake at two or three o'clock in the morning with an idea for a song and uh, rather than lose it, uh, if I go back to sleep, I'll grab my my uh, notebook and a pen and go out to the kitchen table, make myself a cup of coffee, watch the sunrise, and start writing. I, I like that. Inspiration is the ultimate alarm clock. I, I think uh, I, if I woke up and I had the German idea, I'm not sure if that would be enough to get me up in the morning. I'm not. I'm not sure. I think that's pretty cool, though. Well, there is this app on my phone called Notes, and it gets used, especially if I have to go to work in the morning and don't have the luxury of uh, getting sleep deprived. I'll just uh, open the app, jot down a few notes on, on the app and uh, go back, try to go back to sleep. But oftentimes, if I've got a if I've got a killer idea, I'm done for the night. I, I, I can't go back to sleep. I'm just going to go to the kitchen table, crank up the coffee maker, and get to work. And do you feel like, uh, do, you, do you usually write a song all the way through in one sitting, or how, how do you break that up? I'm, I'm not uh, that kind of writer. I, you know, I, there, there are lots of different kinds of writers, and when I, I'm, I'm anticipating a question from you, which comes first, the lyrics or the music or the melody, and and I'm just, and the obvious answer that everyone should or most people would give is yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, right. To that, uh, sometimes I'll just be fiddling around on my guitar and find a cool riff and and write a song off of that riff. Uh, sometimes I'll have a melody dancing around in my head, but I'd say sixty percent of the time, I've got. Uh, an idea, uh, a story, uh, a phrase that uh, occurred to me that I want to build a song around. And uh, so I guess in that sense, it's usually the lyrics. And uh, I, 
we'll start writing a song, but I usually am working on five to 10 songs at any given time. Oh, wow. And I'll go back and forth when I feel I'm getting to a stale place with one song, I'll move on to another song uh, and come back to it. I uh, am also the kind of person who sometimes will take weeks writing mm -hmm. one song. Um, and I, uh, this may be a, a long-winded uh, answer to your question, but I rely heavily, at least for the lyrics, I re rely heavily on a process or a, a technique called clustering uh, that mm -hmm. was developed mostly for literary writers by uh, Gabriel Rico. Um, and it's uh, a way of just keeping the editor as uh, Daryl Scott would, would uh, one of my mentors would say, keep the editor out of the room. Mm -hmm. um, don't erase anything. Uh, I think you had Alicia Stockton on your show and on your podcast. And she said she writes in, in pen and crosses things out, but never erases or never uh, completely blacks it out. I uh, I throw a lot of ideas onto a blank page with no lines on it. I use a sketchbook mm. and I'll put the central idea of the song or a theme for the song dead center in the middle of a blank page. And then I'll just be free associating ideas around that theme. Mm -hmm. so uh you, you want to it'll be kind of a uh, spider web right it'll end up being kind of like a spider web of ideas or it is it is or ch it'll have chains of ideas that feed mm -hmm. off one another so for example if i if i said wing what's the first word that comes to your mind uh feather and if you said feather i might think of warm as in down warm no oh yeah down absolutely coat. yeah so if i if i say warm what what do you think of uh winter coat and i'll say snow and then i'll say uh snowball fight that sort of thing so yeah so you just do a free yeah, association great. you're just mapping out your free association that way in that way but at some point i'll reach the end or a place where I think I'm getting too far away from the theme. Mm -hmm. So if the theme was, uh, where do we start? Uh, feather. Um, if the theme was uh, something, and I feel like that that chain has gotten so far removed that it no longer relates back to the original theme, I'll stop and then I'll think of something else off of that original theme again. So it looks like okay. the, the page looks like it's got lots of uh, chains of ideas. Interesting. And, so, okay. Yeah. But you, you, so you, you follow a chain until it gets out. So you follow the chain from the central word, I guess. And then once it gets too far outside, that's when you go back and you start another chain. Is that right? Right. Oh, very neat. I like that. And, and I, I, I stumbled on this technique at a songwriting retreat, uh, a songwriting workshop up in Red Lodge, uh, Montana. Uh, and, and there was this uh, very well-known hit songwriter from Nashville, country kind of songwriter. And he 
offhanded just mentioned i use this technique and he was talking about one of his songs and he sang his song which gave an idea of of what of of how it worked and one of the criticisms he had of my songs to date uh of one of my songs uh, at least was that it, it it lost its chain of thought he couldn't follow it he didn't hmm. know where the song was going and i that i took that to heart uh i was a little miffed but uh, <laughs> <hurt>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my ego was not uh feeling so great but i took that to heart and uh, and i realized very quickly oh maybe this would help and i took a deep dive into uh gabrielle rico's work and uh i know a lot of other songwriters who are uh who use that technique as well and i just found it to be incredibly productive at just leaving the editor out of the room uh -huh. letting your your uh, right brain go to town before you've even written one line of lyric you just literally cover the page with ideas all related to the central theme if it's a story that you're going to write a song about, that also helps because you can organize all the the important parts of the story that you want to put in, in the song. Mm -hmm. A lot of stories are so long and complicated that you can't write a song about it unless it's going to be a 20 minute song. Yeah. Um, so you want to think, what are the most important things? And it's just these are the parts of the story you want to organize without thinking about it, without editing. You just want to get those important ideas on paper and 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 your songs have a lot of great detail and and a lot of great storytelling and let's let's take one of your songs here as a case study all right this is kitchen table by tay bronson borquin and eric richard stone off of eric's newest album kitchen table this is the title track here we go Kitchen table, you've been around. We're not your first family, you've been handed down. Kitchen table, we all have a seat. The place where we gather and not just eat. Card games, homework, accounting desk We just sit down and you do the rest You're the old friend That nobody sees Breakups, breakdowns, long distance calls Kitchen table, you've heard it all at the heart of our family Kitchen table Sturdy and strong You still hold my beer when the day's been too long Kitchen table 
I like your scars And the ones I like best are the ones that are ours Card games, homework, accounting desk We just sit down and you do the rest You're the old friend that nobody sees Breakups, breakdowns and long distance calls Kitchen table, you've heard it all At the heart of our family Kitchen table with one empty chair. We cherish the memory of the one who's not there. Kitchen table washed with our tears. Help us find comfort throughout the years Card games, homework, accounting desk We just sit down, you do the rest You're the old friend that nobody sees Breakups, breakdowns and long distance calls kitchen table you've heard it all you're at the heart of our family they're at the heart of our family all right that was kitchen table by Eric Richard Stone and co-writer Tay Bronson Borkwin. And it's off of Eric's uh, newest album, Kitchen Table. And uh, what a, just the, the imagery in this song is just fantastic. The storytelling, I just think the, uh, well, first off, that my favorite line in the whole thing is, Kitchen Table, I like your scars. The ones I like best are the ones that are ours. But the image of the kitchen table with one empty chair just is devastating there at the end um but i i like how even even though that last verse has that somber image and 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 meaning but it's still you still get the uplift from the the kitchen table and how it's how it's been there sturdy throughout the whole time um but let's let's talk about this what how did this uh come together what was what went into writing this song so i met to Tay at the Red Lodge Songwriter Festival three years ago before the pandemic. Uh, he and I were both performing there and we struck up a friendship and kept in touch. Um, during the pandemic, he contacted me and he said, Eric, I've got this idea for a song. Um, and uh, he sent me a, a, a rough recording that he had made 
and he said, uh, I want you to sing it. Now, Tay's uh, a songwriter whose uh, ballywick is, is kind of writing um, songs about fishing and drinking beer and driving around in pickup trucks. Mm. Uh, and he's got a, a deep, rich baritone voice. And he had written this song about uh, his kitchen table or started writing this song. It, it was quite a bit different at the time, but uh, it, it had all the elements that, that you just heard for the most part, except for the last verse. Um, and uh, he wanted me to sing it because he just felt this was a much more heartfelt song. He heard it in his own mind with a, a high, uh, higher, <laughs> I'm not a high tenor, <laughs> but I'm, a, I'm basically a tenor. Uh -huh. And, uh, and he just heard it in his mind as a tenor singing it and was wanting to know if I would uh, be interested in recording it. Uh, I received his, um, his email with the, um, with the rough recording two days after the tragic shooting at the King Supers uh. in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, and uh, that had a, a direct impact on on my family. My partner Laura's daughter uh, was just uh, really close friends with uh, the youngest victim of that of that shooting. Oh my God! And <clears throat> although I had never met the young man uh, who died, uh, it certainly affected us. And in the middle of the pandemic, with so many thousands of families experiencing loss and tragedy i just realized this this has to have a verse about an empty chair at a kitchen table mm -hmm. and tay was writing it about he's a, a single parent raised a daughter mm -hmm. i'm lucky i i raised three boys so i i kind of skirted around a lot of drama in my family with three boys who are now in their 20s um uh, we didn't have breakups and breakdowns at the kitchen table in my household, but Laura's, my partner's daughter, uh, is just now 20 and still living with us. And uh, there's certain, certainly been a lot of drama at our kitchen table over the years uh, that we've been together. And uh, I asked, hey, can I, can I do it, uh, but write a third verse to it? Um, that I think will be a, a real big bonus to the song and meaningful to a lot of listeners in a, in a slightly different way. Absolutely. Um, so that's where the third verse came out of. Um, but here's, here's sort of the, the touch back to uh, clustering, if you will. If the focus was kitchen table, and that's an, the theme in the center of your your uh, age that you're working on as a songwriter, um, what goes with that? Well, long distance calls, family sitting in the old days when we all would put it on speakerphone and talk to our grandparents, breakdowns that happened at the kitchen table where you're consoling a, a kid over a breakup or a breakdown or some heartfelt uh, kind of meltdown kind of thing. Our kitchen tables have lots of scars, but so do we, and they show up at the kitchen table. Um, it's a place where families gather 
and gather to discuss important things. It's a place where we pay our bills. We sit down with the monthly bills and write checks and put them back in the mail, or these days you pay through Venmo or PayPal, but um, all of the different aspects of Kitchen Table, Tay and I just kind of threw on the page and then reorganized around how we wanted this song to flow. And uh, I worked with the melody a little bit more uh, off of his rough recording and uh, the arrangement uh, with the band that I work with. And there you have it. So that so interesting. This is so there was a, there was a lot of rewriting that went on with this. I mean, how how is the push and pull there? Uh, you find when collaborating with somebody who's who's brought in you know uh, a, a substantial lead on 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 the songwriting. I mean, is does do, how do you how do you keep the egos from bumping in that instance with tay this was really easy and i i i always shied away from co-writing i've been pushed into it at songwriting workshops and <laughs> songwriting classes of course and, and i've and i have co-written other songs that came out really well and and uh, I still speak to my co-writers <laughs> well there so, you go so there there have haven't been any uh dramatic bridges burned but with tay it happened so naturally and so quickly we riddle literally from the time that he sent me the song to the time we had a finished product uh you know, there were some side sidebars to this we were trying to finish up the album uh the band and i uh were trying to finish up uh kitchen kitchen table although it wasn't titled as such and so so this became the title track after I mean, after and you were almost done with the album, is what you're saying. Tay and I worked over the worked on this over two days. We finished it. I brought it to the band the next day. We recorded it that same day, and it became the title track of the album. Wow, great it was, story! So three days and done. Wow, uh, pretty cool. And Tay. Uh, uh, Tay really did the heavy lifting in the beginning uh, to get the song on the on the page and the ideas out, and and I just uh, worked on uh, crafting the melody a little bit more for it and um, and the arranging, and then the third verse was was uh, one I just asked him, "Can I add this?" and he graciously agreed, and it. Uh, judging from the attention it's already gotten, I think we're we we wrote a solid song that uh, it's a good one. It is. It's a it's a killer song. Um, now now I in the in the intro you talked about or in the intro we talked about uh, how you like to craft songs around vocal interpretation, and Tay approached you specifically because he wanted you to sing this song. And could could you kind of walk us through what what does that what does that entail when you're when you're trying to to write the the lyrics around and the melody and and whatnot around you know that that kind of vocal interpretation leaving that that mm-hmm. interpretive room so you can find some uh what are basically called uh grace notes or trills uh and in the line breakups breakdowns and long distance calls that vary between uh which word uh i i do it on uh and and how it's phrased you can find a little variation in the last line of the chorus um 
I, I'll sing at the heart of our family. And then in the last chorus, it's there at the heart of our family. Hmm. Um, it's just a subtle change, but it keeps the chorus, I think, from being uh, too much the same each time. Um, this might have been a song somebody else would have wanted a bridge for. And and uh, I have different uh, ideas about what a bridge is really for mm -hmm. um, to break up the pattern of most people think it's just to break up the pattern of of uh, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus with something different. Uh, I also think a bridge exists for a vocalist to go nuts on, oh. to really sh show off on. Uh, a lot of times bridges um, are, are just that kind of opportunity. I didn't feel this song needed a bridge because I wanted to keep the focus uh, on that image of a kitchen table and a family um, around a kitchen table and the tragedy uh, of the third verse. Uh, I wanted to make sure that that tragedy didn't get lost in a, in a bridge that took us somewhere else. Um, so I tried to highlight uh, for a vocalist, including myself, where I might show off a little bit. Um, with those grace notes. Hmm. Um, and I tried to keep the phrasing throughout the song as a natural speech pattern, as if the words were were not part of a cadence that had to be managed very specifically and very, um, very uh, metrically. But instead, if you if you listen to it closely, you'll find I fall behind the beat and catch up sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I actually jump the beat a little bit. And that's a, a trick uh, I've learned over the years to make a song uh, a little bit more attentive to the listener. That's, that's, that's fascinating. It sounds like, I mean, to me, it sounds like a very jazz point of view i you know i think of jazz singers as really paying attention to you know how they attack the singing but i suppose it i suppose it's it stretches well beyond that to to any type of uh, vocal performance so that that's that's a fascinating approach to it um and that that makes me want to try writing a song specifically thinking about the interpretation like that it helps it helps if you have a little bit of space if you mm -hmm. cram your minds full of words and you don't leave yourself uh, enough room in and around the phrasing to fall behind the beat and then catch up or or jump uh -huh. the beat. It's, that becomes much more difficult. Yeah, you think of some of the great songwriters, or great rock and roll songwriters anyway, of, of folks like Dylan and uh, Elvis Costello is another one that I'm thinking of, where they really mm -hmm. cram in the syllables. And I don't think they leave a lot of space for that kind of, I mean, Dylan kind of leaves space for interpretation just because sometimes it doesn't feel like, well, almost because the lack of space, it forces you to do something with it. But, but, um, but Joni Mitchell, I, I always, I, we had Joni Mitchell as one of your influences and, uh, I think of Joni Mitchell as, as kind of cramming in as many words and syllables as Dylan or, or Elvis Costello, but her voice is just so amazing. She just, she's just so good at interpreting them that they, they flow really naturally. I, I don't think, it, I don't think everybody who sings her songs can do that. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, 
you're trying to cut stuff out. Is that what you do? You cut out a lot of words that might have might you might put in there. You can you can either keep it sparse enough so that you have the space to do those kind of things vocally and with phrasing, or and here's what what I suspect is Joni Mitchell's talent is you just practice the heck out of it yeah. over and over <laughs> again. So you become so familiar with the sequence of words that you're singing that you can pl that you can actually play with it, play with the rhythmic qualities of it, play with the the falling behind the beat or, or jumping ahead of the beat. Uh, because you're so familiar that you're not going to trip on on those words. Yeah, I, I think Joni Mitchell was was trying to trying to write songs and to say, "Hey, look here, I can sing this, but you can't, pal." And I don't know. I think there was a, a oh, bit of that going on. Bit of truth in that, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Especially uh, jumping an octave or jumping two octaves oh, in oh, the that's... same word. Crazy, crazy stuff that she was doing there. Um, yep. All right. Well, let's let's take a listen to the other song that you brought in here. Uh, this one's called "Sick and Tired." Is this is this also off the same album or a different album? Uh, this is uh, a new a song that I released as a single after the album. <laughs> I I just finished sending the album off to uh, the disc press and uh and getting all the the design work done and off it went and one of those waking up at 2 30 in the morning kind of events happened and i had this idea for a song and i knew the song was going to be titled sick and tired of being sick and tired uh which is kind of an old joke from uh, a band i used to be in where the lead lead uh, guy in the band uh used to introduce every song as well here's another song about being sick and tired of being sick and tired <laughs> it was a blue it was a it was a bluegrass band i was in in durango colorado and, and uh we you know we're we're not coming off the pandemic we're still in it now but uh i i was i was in this uh i probably wrote 10 songs during during the last half of the pandemic uh most of them Kind of, if you were to explain the subject material, it would kind of be like this. Ah! <laughs> um, so I, so I figured, well, uh, all right, I'm going to go with that, and uh, I wrote wrote sick and tired uh, probably over the course of two or three days. Uh, came back to it maybe two or three days later and touched it up. A little bit worked on the on the melody and the chord structure and um, thought about it um, and I recorded it as a single but here's here's another aspect of my songwriting I, I've redone songs on some of my albums that I just wasn't sure. happy with uh -huh. and for example uh, I'll, I'll uh, you're gonna play it in a minute and you'll probably think, well, I use that clustering technique because everything's related to being sick and tired of something. And and I was throwing out a lot of cliches. Uh -huh. There's going to be a lot of cliches I just threw out onto the page and worked into the song. And I brought it to uh, to Daryl Scott and Amy Spies at uh, um, Rocky Mountain Folks Fest or at Song School. 
And I said, you know, I'm worried about the song. I just think it may be too cliche. Um, and let me play it for you and see what you think. Just tell me whether you think it's just too cliche. And after hearing it, they thought, it is, but just own that. Just go with mm. it. Just admit it. And so I, I intend, when I release this on my next CD, I intend to kind of change uh, some of the lines in the song to be an admission of how my life has become a cliche in this angst of sick and tired of being sick and tired. I like it. I like it. Well, let's let's take a listen to this this song. So this is uh, Sick and Tired of Being Sick and Tired by Eric Richard Stone. And this was a single released back in July. Here we go. I'm at the end of my road Feeling kind of tattered and worn Burning the candle at both ends Since the day that I was born You know this ain't no part of nothing But it comes apart at the seams There's a shitstorm coming Watch it blow to smithereens I'm sick and tired I'm being sick and tired I'm fed up, pissed off, and annoyed I've been pushed around I've been running to the ground Generally depleted and devoid All my get-up go Then got up and went All my mojo I'm a desperate man In these desperate times I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired Time. 
that's got to be a real crowd pleaser uh that was that was sick and tired of being sick and tired by uh, eric richard stone uh yeah that the, the the audience must love that they must eat that one up is that that go over pretty well when you're that's, playing it live that's a great one to do live um and uh the the kind of contrast to kitchen tables pretty yeah. obvious <laughs> uh both in the in the melodic and and musicality of it uh as as well as the genre but but also just in in the way the words uh flow the lyrics flow too uh it's a good example of just brainstorming all the things that might have to do with sick and tired yeah and arranging it into a song but i also had fun with just that kind of that rock and roll beat uh, on the on the one chord, uh, just that rhythm is where where I started and where I ended, uh, figuring out the the melody and the chord progression and and uh, there's there's just something cool about that bluesy feeling of going instead of one four five ish kind of song from a one to a two chord mm-hmm. to a to a four then a five and back to one uh it just had me at at the get-go so it, the once i once i landed on that chord progression that the song took form pretty quickly nice and this one has a bridge so this was and and your your theory on bridges is that they're there to to open up the the allow the singer to just go off did you did you feel like this bridge worked that way yeah, I I think there's going to be some changes, as I said, when I record this for the next album, and that mm-hmm. uh, uh, you and I are both looking at the lyrics of see some of it's already in there. Uh, so the the second bridge, uh, um, or the first bridge, you know, this ain't no part of nothing where it drops to the six minor, uh-huh. uh, but it came apart at the seams. Instead of the, what I uh, sang in that version, uh, it's going to reference how my life is a cliche ah yeah because uh, the whole song is, is is a collection of cliche phrases that we've all heard before um you know burning the candle at both ends um it came apart at the seams watch it blow to smithereens i'm fed up pissed off and annoyed uh all of those cliches uh were what had me worried at first and uh of course uh, i was advised just go with it just yeah that, it's it's it is what it is your life's a cliche you know, yeah life's a cliche so make that's, it happen yeah. yeah embrace it well so i, I yeah. i've been meaning so to ask was, oh go ahead oh that was where where I, I had an opportunity in the bridge to to give that away and and that'll come in the next release of the song very nice very nice well so now you mentioned earlier that you oftentimes write five songs at a time and i i i I don't know i guess maybe maybe long before i got into kind of rapid songwriting maybe i did that but uh but i i i'd be worried about that i i kind of feel like how do you how do you keep one song from influencing the writing of another song Uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna show you but i'll have to describe it for your listeners because because you can see me in your camera, but here's an mm-hmm. example of, of where I started with the fledgling. And in the center of the page is, I'm gone. 
what is a what is a fledgling? A fledgling is a young animal uh, or perhaps a human who's leaving home, who's going to leave the nest. Maybe they're leaving on their own because they want to get out, or maybe in 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 the natural world, usually it's the mother and father are kicking them out <laughs> so that they're they're on their way. Um, that could happen in the human world. Okay, so at the same time as I'm writing a song for you. I'm working on a song for a producer in California in the Bay Area uh, that he wants me to write uh, for him uh, called Silver Linings. I've got that going on. I've got, uh, I'm just turning the pages in my notebook here. I've got uh, a song I'm working on called Feathers and Stones. Uh, and that's the idea behind it is contrasts is feathers and stones. Mm -hmm. I've got another song about love and growing old together. I've got a song called revolver, which is about, uh, computer dating. Nice. Just, just think of it as Russian roulette. It doesn't end well. The song is really <laughs> tragic. Uh, it's about, a, a Tinder addict. And, she, and she's going to get killed in the end of the song. Oh, uh, that's a that's a co-write because uh, eventually one of the one of her dates is going to be a creep. Uh, sorry uh, for your listeners to have heard that. I've got another well, yeah, song. Maybe, maybe we should have spoiler alerts too. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I've I've got another song uh, about being a songwriter. <laughs> anyway. Those are just a few of the songs I'm working on simultaneously. Uh, the one silver linings, the idea uh, is this uh, producer in, in the Bay Area wants me to sing a song about a woman who uh, was a friend of his who passed away for mm. her husband. He's, he's writing this song for his, her husband and wants me to perform it because he's not a singer. Uh, he, sure. He's a producer. So he's going to uh, give the song to his friend um about uh his uh wife well how how do you manage to balance all of that how do you balance all that how do you keep it i because my my thought is just that if i'm writing you know several songs at once that i i'd be worried about shifting into the i i know i do this exercise in in january where i do a songwriting i just i write a song a day for the whole month and um mm -hmm. i oftentimes I have to really work hard to forget the song that I wrote the day before. And the way that I do it is I just make sure that I have a completely different rhythm going between the two songs that the just, just right. it, it's got, it has to have that key differentiation because it would be very easy to just kind of keep writing the same thing. Uh, how do you do, how do you, I mean, do you have trouble with that or do you just find it's, it's easy to differentiate between them all? Um, well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question directly first and say I find it pretty easy. Okay. I, I don't I don't find it uh, difficult to switch between songs uh, for some reason, but I'm I'm also not the kind of songwriter who writes every day. Yeah. I don't I don't uh, I mean I I have the luxury of being a full time songwriter, uh, and I in December I will quit my, I'll retire from my day job and, 
and retire to becoming a full-time year-round songwriter. Mm-hmm. But um, I do not write, I, I don't get up and write every day in that kind of disciplined uh, way because my songwriting is informed by life and I need to go experience life, uh, go for a hike, go for a ski, uh, go eat at a nice restaurant, go hang out with some friends, watch the news where I get a lot of ideas for <laughs> just oh, sure. watching the news will get you plenty of song ideas. Um, read books, read poetry. Um, uh, that's where my ideas for songs come from. And so I feel it's equally as important to put, take off my songwriter hat sometimes days, even weeks at a time and not work at all on songwriting and then come back to it, come back to half finished songs or unfinished songs and, and work on them some more. And as I, I think I told you earlier, some of my songs, uh, I started writing a song in 1979 uh, when I was a VISTA volunteer in Montezuma Creek, Utah. And I returned home to Pennsylvania thinking I might want to stay there for a while and quickly decided I didn't like that town anymore that changed. And I wrote a song about it and finished it in, what is it, 2021? I finished it 2020, uh, just before the new year. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Uh, so, so I've, I've gone back to having songs that I left decades ago. I see. And, and rewritten them or finished unfinished songs. And so my, I think my productivity comes from working on ideas all the time and some people feel as though that you have to finish one song and it may be a crappy song, but at least if you finish it, you can write the next really good song. And I don't look at it like that. I, I hear that and I understand it. And I've heard lots of people say that, including um, Celia Woodsmith uh, from Della May, uh, who's a great songwriter, uh, told me she, has to work on one song at a time and she has to finish that song no matter how bad it is before she can start working on the song that's going to be the next Delamay hit. Um, I haven't found that works for me. Hmm. I keep all kinds of songs going and uh, pick them up again uh, years later and finish them or work on them some more and put them away and uh, just seems to be how I'm productive. I I, abs- I totally envy you because I know that uh, I've got so many unfinished ideas that I just I I, I fall out of the headspace and I I I've found that like if I that I'm much more effective <clears throat> of actually getting stuff done if I if I jump on it right away if I really just do it all the way if I get a first draft done basically that's it if I get a first draft done then I can go back and revise it. And that's easier for me than kind of revising as I go, as I go. Cause it, you know, you know, I think the standard for a lot, a lot of songwriters is like, they'll do like maybe two verses in a chorus and then they'll get stuck. And, and, 
But I, so yeah, I, I I've always had trouble with losing that headspace. But I think it's really cool that you're able to to kind of keep that inspiration going, or 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 maybe just just put in the elbow grease and just just push through. Uh, to finishing those songs, but I guess you said you're constantly working on them. Are there, are there ever any songs that uh, that you feel like you've abandoned and they are it's too stale? It's something you just can't go back to. That you um, once thought was a good idea. <laughs> yes, and then decades later, I'll look at them again mm. and go. Wow, that was actually that's a viable idea. I can okay. I can work with that, and I'll pick it up and finish it. Huh. Um, I was also going to say that again. I I don't mean to keep plugging this uh, Gabrielle Rico stuff, the clustering stuff, but boy, if you if you get stuck in a song, mm-hmm. uh, going back and starting at the beginning with clustering is a great way to look at an old song that you just can't finish and uh, get through a writer's block or uh, a a desert of ideas. Um, The other thing is um, music. Um, If you're a songwriter and you're not listening to a lot of music, you're really doing yourself a disservice. Um, And it's not to say that uh, imitation is a bad thing, um, but I steal mercilessly lots of musical ideas oh, yeah. for songs. When I when I'm working on a song, and I sometimes I get stuck in the melody or with the chord structure, and I just like this doesn't fit the me- the melody I'm working on as doesn't fit the subject of the song. It doesn't work with the flow and pattern of the words uh, or the rhythm or the the um, uh, cadence of the, uh, of the phrases. So I just feel stuck. And all I really need to do is just go to whatever music source you want and start listening to new music. Mm-hmm. Start exploring new songwriters. Start exploring uh, new genres of songs even like uh, pick up uh, an album of Afro pop uh, or mm-hmm. uh, um, kind of Eastern European uh, uh, harmon- harmonics and harmonies uh, and and retune your, your mind around what might fit that old song I've been working on and suddenly it all will come together. Um, so listening to new music does it for me in that sense. Um, reading poetry gives me new ideas and words that I, words, just even words to put in a line that I would never have thought of. I love it. These are great tips for uh, for breaking writer's block. That's that's great. Um, well, all right. Well, let's uh, let's take a break here, and when we come back, let's let's get to the crux of the matter and talk about the uh, the challenge songs that we wrote this week. Ah, yes, the challenge, the challenge. So, all right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Raw Songwriting Podcast. Uh, I am your host, David Coyle, and I am here with Eric Richard Stone. He's a singer-songwriter out of Nederland, Colorado. Uh, about a week ago, I sent Eric uh, uh, an assortment of prompts to choose from. The first prompt was a photo 
of two swings in front of a uh, kind of a, a dilapidated concrete and brick wall. And in the left swing is standing a woman. And in the right swing, there's actually a mural uh, behind the swing of two kids. But it looks kind of like a ghostly image of this couple of kids on the swing. So that was the first the first uh, prompt. Second prompt was a random word, lapidary. It's a noun that is a cutter, polisher, or engraver of precious stones, usually other than diamonds, or the art of cutting gems. There was a random fact. There's a bar in the Yukon that serves a sour toe cocktail. It consists of a shot of whiskey with a human toe floating in the glass. An estimated 60,000 people have had it. I was probably thinking about Halloween when I picked that uh, uh, that one. Let's see. Random style. Write a song in the style of Jimmy Buffett, which apparently the other Eric Stone writes in the style of Jimmy Buffett. Is that what you were saying? Yeah. And then we had the fearless prompt, which uh, is from Timmy Reardon's fearless songwriting program. Uh, the October 2nd prompt was the fledgling. And it's actually a picture of a... Is that a bear with a bird on its paw? I think that's what, or is that a it's, dog? It's a, it's a bear with yeah. a uh, black-billed magpie. Oh, that's on its right. Black back foot. And and I don't think we've talked about it here, but what? Why do you know exactly what kind of bird it is? I have a PhD in wildlife biology, and my thesis, my PhD thesis, was population ecology and behavior of black-billed magpies. Very nice. All right, well, why don't you tell us uh, which which prompt you chose? And uh, I mean, if there were any others that kind of tempted you, but but why did you choose the prompts that you did, the prompt that you did? Well, I, I was sorely tempted to go for the, the sour toe cocktail, but it just, <laughs> I, I knew I probably would get in deep uh, <laughs> that one. And I only had a week to write it, so um, I'm I'm gonna have to save that one for another song someday. Oh, there you go. But I I chose I chose the fledgling. All right, and and was that because of your background in uh, um, uh, what what did you call it? It was uh, uh, or, ornithology and wildlife biology. Yeah, yeah, it was. It started out being uh, pretty interesting just because of that, but. Uh, I quickly kind of turned turned it on its uh, human side, and uh, imagined, you know, from a parental perspective. I raised three sons. Uh, my partner Laura raised a daughter, and the experience of uh, having her daughter living with us uh, for the last several years led me to just realize how much more drama there is and how much more uh, difficult it is to fledge a daughter offspring than three sons. I, I got off really lucky, hmm. as I've already said, with three sons. And uh, so I'm just I just kind of imagined uh, how you'd feel as a parent with a daughter in her late teens and early 20s and where she was going to go and what she was going to do and the risks she was going to take and what that meant for you as a parent. 
Well, let's take a listen to the song, and uh, and then we can kind of kind of get into the details there. So we've so this here is a song called "The Fledgling" by Eric Richard Stone. It is his contribution to the challenge this week, and here we go. She took one last look from the edge of the porch Kissed her mother as the aspen leaves turned gold The late September sun smelled warm and sweet And she was just twenty years old She left a lipstick letter on the mirror for her dad to read It said, I'm gone and I love you car was packed, the tank was full as she drove away there was nothing left to do learning to fly was playing on her mp3 she sang I'm starting out all alone by the time she hit the border Colin Hay came in singing waiting for my real life to As high as you want to Look for softer landings when you fall Trust your wings and take some chances There'll be help when you need it Try to call You can do anything You can do anything You can do anything at all You can do anything was up all night with a hole inside his heart but he never let it show she's his little girl out in the mixed up world but in the end he had to let her go sometimes you chase dreams sometimes it chases you through the tears and the fears of where she's going in the end they had done all those are the seeds that they were sowing And he told her Fly as high as you want to Look for softer landings when you fall Trust your wings and take some chances There'll be help when you need it Try to call You can do anything You can do anything Drives east toward the rising sun Colorado's in her rear view And her dreams are only just begun There's an all-night drive ahead But she feels ready For whatever life puts in her way Her hand on the wheel holding the steady the things her mom and dad would say Fly as high as you want to And look for 
softer landings when you fall Trust your wings, take some chances There'll be help when you need it, try to call You can do anything, you can do anything You can do anything at all You can do anything at all Three weeks later, said Nashville ain't that bad. She got a day job at a diner, and daddy, don't you be so sad. It won't be long, and I'll be singing my songs from up on some old stage. Folks are nice enough. And it ain't all that tough And they pay a pretty good wage And she told them I'm gonna fly as high as I want to I'll find softer landings when I fall I'll trust my wings and take some chances I know there's help when I need it I'll try to call I can do anything, I can do anything, I can do anything at all, I can do anything at all, I can do anything at all, anything at Right, that was The Fledgling by Eric Richard Stone. It was his contribution to the challenge this week, uh, which uh, was also uh, The Fledgling was the, the, the challenge as well. So uh, <laughs> what a great song. This is, this is such a great story and, 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 and a lot of great details. I love, I mean, the, the, the line, you can do anything at all, the way that I, it's just, the way you sing it, the way it just sounds is just so uh, engaging. And uh, and this is a small thing, but I, I just want to say that I appreciate the fact that you use the word MP3. I think a lot of times, like, uh, uh, folk or folk-adjacent uh, music tends to shy away from modern technology. And I, I just appreciate the fact that you put that in there. I thought that was that was pretty cool. <laughs> but I mean, this is this is a really cool song. I know you were concerned about the length of it because it's uh, just shy of seven minutes. Is that right? Yeah, um, it's probably not going to make it on the radio, but <laughs> not but at I, that length. But I think it's great. I think it's great. It really gave you a chance to kind of flesh out the story. But but tell us about it. How did you go about writing it this week? Um. Well, I again, I started with uh, try, the idea of uh, a child leaving the nest. That mm -hmm. uh, that is what a fledgling is, both in the wildlife world and the human world. And uh, the back in in the recesses of my mind, I was thinking about uh, you know my my own dreams about going to Nashville and making it big as a songwriter, which. I don't want to do anymore, but uh, most I, I I am surrounded by all these young, talented, amazing songwriters wherever I go, uh, mm -hmm. and I, I'm just so impressed 
by them when I go to a festival and I meet all the other performers and songwriters or, or to a songwriting workshop, uh, like Alicia Stockman, who mm -hmm. you've had on your podcast. And I, I, I feel like I, I don't deserve to be in their midst because I'm not a fledgling. I, I am 63 years old and a parent who raised my own kids. And, uh, and I, I just imagine that these youngsters uh, have this dream of going to Nashville and making it big somehow and starting out as a songwriter. And that whole theme, I, I wanted it to uh, emerge slowly through the song. As the song's beginning, you kind of get uh, some references to to music. Uh, Learning to Fly is a, that's the uh, Tom Petty Tom song. Petty, yeah. mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Colin, one of my favorite songs ever is Colin Hayes' uh, Waiting for My Real Life to Begin. Uh, that just inspired me in so many tough times when I was waiting for my dream to come true. And so I imagine these young songwriters are just there, you know, all the yeah. time a a aspiring to, to, to have their songs being heard by bigger audiences and, and uh, making it big on the stage. Um, I, I don't, I, that dream is not for me anymore. I'm, I, if nothing, I've always said that if nothing else happened in my career, I'm happy with right where I am right now. Uh -huh, and it, uh -huh. I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. And then uh, it, it emerges slowly as you get to the line, uh, her guitar and keyboard are on her back seat. Wow. She's, so she's a musician. Okay. And uh, then in the last verse, she talks about having getting to Nashville and finding a job and trying to get some time playing on the stage uh, and those kind of dreams. But all through that, what kind of support do you give as a parent? Uh, you, you, <laughs> you're kind of be two-faced about it, you know, like fly as high as you want to, but find some soft places to land if you really crash hard. Sure, sure. Something like that. And we're here to help you, uh, but please remember to call every once in a while, let us know you're okay, <laughs> uh, kind of thing. And, and that last bit of encouragement, uh, you can do anything you want to. Um, but, uh, and, and there's a device there that I use quite frequently in, in my songs, which is repetition. Uh, when you find a, a good line, a good part of the melody where you can repeat a phrase, uh, but it's not, you know, too repetitious, uh, but it 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 helps. I think in a song to be a, a memorable part of a chorus when you can do that. So I've used that quite a bit in a lot of my songs. Oh yeah, and it works brilliantly here because it just it it builds up, it builds up. There's like this tension that builds by repeating it, and then you've got oh, you know, and you and that, and you could just really dig into the way that you sing that too, and you you sing it differently uh, each time, and. Um, yeah, I, I think that 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 just works really. That repetition really, really works right. well there. And and there's this the space that if somebody were you know a great singer, uh, there's space in in that chorus for them to really go off on. You can do anything at all. Uh, you know, do some vocal gymnastics with it if they wanted to, um, and and really enjoy the the chorus. I think as a vocalist. 
Absolutely. So now this was uh, like I mentioned, you you had, you were a little bit concerned that that I, I might think it's too long or something, which is I you know somebody came on with a fifteen minute song and that's just what they came up with. I'd be good with that. Um, but I mean, how do you how do you feel about it? Do you feel I mean, do you how often do you write songs that are kind of this length or uh, or is this something where normally you would try to trim it down after you've written something this long? It, it really depends on the audience. Uh, I have been given advice in the past by producers from the Nashville country scene mm -hmm. uh, that basically says, um, if you want radio play, for a song, it needs to be under three and a half minutes long. Okay. DJs, DJs probably won't even bother to to put it on their programs if it's over four minutes. Sure, for sure. And uh, so I have written songs uh, aimed at being um, under three and a half minutes, and and that was the intent of of some songs I've written, and. I find that in live performances, when I'm doing a live performance and I want the audience to get into the song and get into the story or the, the theme of the song, it does take time to develop that. And uh, three and a half minutes is not long enough. So especially mm. in the folk genre, sure, less country, more folk and Americana kind of uh, scene a longer a longer song sits better especially with a live audience so how would you um now i mean when you play that when you would play this in front of an uh, a live audience is it uh is is this the complete thing there was a point where it sounded like you were going to go off on a spoken word point and then you get back to the to the singing it um where was it was it the second no it was after it was like the third verse i think yeah, first um, line of the third verse. Yeah. Um, her, well, uh, both, uh, both second and third verses. Her guitar and keyboard are laying on the back seat. Uh, and uh, um, the third verse, the first line of the third verse, both of those, um, that's, that's, again, another device, more as a performer um, than a songwriter mm -hmm. to change things up to not make it so much the same each time and to engage an audience. I just, uh, I don't know why I did it on this particular song, but I, I think I just fell into that habit of maybe finding a line to speak rather than sing kind of grabs an audience's attention a little bit more. It, it definitely grabbed mine. I thought it was a really cool uh, uh, choice there. And this is a fabulous song. I, I, I guess something I'd like to ask all the all the guests that come on um, is uh, one: Do you consider this to be a finished song? And two: If not, how would you how would you go about revising it going forward? What would be your process? That's a that's a great question, and I, I like I alluded to earlier in our conversation i'm a bit weird i never consider a song to be finished ah okay i consider it uh ready for performance okay uh i consider it ready for a recording and even songs that i have recorded once i've come back to and recorded on a on a different uh album or cd 
because I just wasn't satisfied with the lyric and the and the and even the melody. So I, I never consider a song finished. Finished. Do you consider, consider this one to ready. be ready? Is this ready for performance? Do you think? Hmm. I mean, I'll say this. If you did perform it know. as it is, <laughs> if you performed it as it is, I think a lot of people would be really charmed by it. Um, but I mean, that may not, but that may not be the same as what your standard is for, for performing. Yeah, my standard per, for performing is to play it over and over and over and over again for quite a while until I'm so familiar with the lyrics mm -hmm. that I can uh, play vocally with it and uh, massage the melody around those lyrics even to accentuate some things. But I, so um, I think it's definitely a keeper. Mm -hmm. I think so too. I mean, I, I write, like, like I've, I, I think you've heard other people say, uh, you don't get to move on to the next best, better song until you finish one song. But if, if I'm saying I, I never feel like a song is finished and I've got lots of songs going all at once, um, this song is is uh, one that has a lot of potential and I, I would definitely keep it in the running for maybe putting on a CD, maybe my next CD. So thank you for that. If I do, in fact, put it on the next oh. CD, it could be. Oh, there. trust me. That's one of the, the <laughs> one of the benefits of doing this show is that I can because I know some of the some of the people have decided to, to put it on CDs and I can go and say, I had some small involvement in the making of that song, this really cool song. And, I, and that's yeah, that's uh, get a little bit of bragging rights, I guess, in some regard. Um, you, you're well deserving of those bragging rights. This is just being doing a, a week long challenge like this is gr a great idea. And thank you for it. Thanks. Oh, well, uh, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks so much for taking part in it. Let me just ask you a couple more questions here about the song. Just the uh, so uh, when I want to get on your song, I want to well, hear yours <laughs> soon enough, soon enough. But I, I have a couple, a couple okay, questions. Right. Just. <laughs> How much of the revising of a song for you goes on just when you're, like you said, you rehearse it over and over again to try to get the feel for the words? I mean, is that where you find the bulk of the revision or do you sit down and say, uh, I got some real problems here that I really want to fix? Yes, and um, I won't record a song usually no, that's not really true. I, I recorded lots, lots of songs that I'd never performed. Um, but I, I like to have the opportunity, uh, which I didn't have during the pandemic. Um, I like to have the opportunity to take a song in front of an audience mm -hmm. and um, the right kind of audience. I mean, a lot of sure. us are playing in noisy bars and clubs yeah. where you, you don't really get much engagement with the audience, but they're listening through one ear and there might be a table or two that are, that are, have their eyes on you and are listening to the song. But uh, I'm very fortunate to be able to play once a month at a local establishment in Netherlands called the very nice brewing company. That Great has a place. One, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful history of, uh, of, sheltering and supporting musicians and songwriters um 
and it's a great audience and I love trying out songs uh, with that crowd. And I'll even tell them, hey, here's a new song. Um, tell me what you think. And if I can honestly gauge their reaction to a new song uh, and whether they get it or not, or uh, whether there's something false uh, through the cracks and doesn't really hit the wall and stick, I will go back and and think about what what needs to happen with this song? How do I get it to to really sink in with an audience? I'll do a lot of adjusting and changing, and and it'll be both lyrical and and musical in that that respect. So uh, so yes, uh, after practicing it a lot, I will make changes. After performing it a lot, I will hmm. also make changes. I like that. I like that. Using kind of the empirical approach in a lot of ways, just uh, yeah. getting the reaction from folks. That's awesome. Well, this is this is a fabulous song. I, I look forward to. Well, I look forward to hearing it live sometime, and then I look forward to hearing you know what you do with it after that. If you do, you know, if it makes it onto an album or or how you're, you know, it. I, I just I'm interested to see where it uh, just goes from here. And 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 please keep me informed if if you do end up taking this to a, a different level, I, I'd like to have you back on. We can talk about it. Sure will. All right. All right. Well, uh, as we alluded to a little bit earlier, uh, customarily I, I write a song to the same prompt. My contribution to the challenge this week is a song called "Birds of a Feather, Jackets Made of Leather," and uh, well, we'll just jump right into it here. Here we go. They were born, they hatched a plan To fly off to a foreign land To soar up to inspiring heights A bird's eye view to see the sights But they'd come down to share their songs To sing for us from dusk till dawn Rebellious tunes that stand forever Like birds of a feather wearing jackets made of leather To her, my name is Brando. A whistle when I do the fandango. She said, You can call me Emma, and if you don't like it, that's your dilemma. Their harmonies would form a chord, their audience would never grow bored of rebel tunes that stand forever like birds of a feather wearing jackets made of leather. Jackets made of leather
biologists don't lie about avians found in the sky. But when they found this fledgling pair, they couldn't help but stop and stare and listen to their sweet refrain. They knew that they could not restrain the rebel tunes that stand forever like birds of a feather wearing jackets made of leather. Jackets made of leather Birds of common feather Jackets made of leather Awesome Oh, thank, thank you. That was <laughs> that was birds of a feather, jackets made of leather by by yours truly, David Coyle. Uh, it was my uh, 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 contribution to the challenge song this week. And uh, yeah, before I jump into explaining how I wrote it, uh, do you have any anything jump out at you about this song? There's so many things I love about the song. I I love the whimsical, fanciful uh, nature of these. <laughs> these two birds and maybe some some romantic tension going on but they sing together and they get the attention of the ornithologists and they have an audience who loves to hear them sing i love the way the jackets made of leather goes up at the end that uh, that interval of i think it's a fourth maybe you can tell me if i'm right or i'm not, not sure uh, but i i love how that line uh, takes off at jackets made of leather <laughs> is is just so unique and so wonderful in this song it fits really well and the the guitar work behind it is reminiscent of of something from uh some 70s rock band uh like uh knights in white satin or uh oh, moody blues what, okay. what moody yeah yeah just just one of those one of those bands that the the chord work behind it is so reminiscent and uh it just reminds me uh so much of of that era um i'd love to i'd love to hear it uh start out acoustically and then maybe develop an electric mm. rock sound in the middle and then maybe come back to acoustic at the end. It just has that feel of nice and white satin kind of stuff. Nice. I like the sound of that. That would be really, that would be kind of an epic way to put it together. I like it. I like it. Well, this was a fun, this was a fun thing to write. I, um, uh, I, I'll admit you chose fledgling and I, I, that was probably my my least favorite of the prompts that we that I put forward. I just didn't know what was gonna go on with that because I don't know I don't know much about birds or anything. But um, oh, good! I, I'm glad I challenged you. <laughs> but um, so I was kind of singing in the shower where sometimes things kind of get worked out, and just trying to figure out some sort of thing. And I had just been to two consecutive weddings. I had been on a wedding on a Friday night and a wedding on a Saturday night. All of them were musicians. Every the, the both couples were were musician ah. couples. And and I just felt like you know what, <laughs> if you're if you're struggling to find a direction, then just just 
just it's great to pull something autobiotic you know uh, autobiographical out of the air and just insert it in there and all of a sudden it just sort of occurred to me well what if it's you know the fledgling aspect of it may not be you know somebody who's young per se but it's more they're finding a new you know taking off in a new direction and and so i was kind of imagining you know this is about two birds not one and uh they're taking off on a new life together and so that's what I was thinking of. I and 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 one of the couples has has like performed overseas and 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 gone on some long tours. So I was kind of imagining, uh, you know, a, a, a couple songbirds that just decide to to go tour abroad. And sweet, yeah, yeah. Um, let me. It's think a wedding here. song. <laughs> it's a it is a wedding song, and I'm totally gonna send it to them, and and uh, and hopefully they'll they'll like it. I was a little bit, uh, and this is partially just because I live here in um in in Boulder, Colorado, a very uh, progressive area of the country, and I was trying to think, um, am I gonna offend anybody with the the jackets made of leather part? Just because there's a lot of vegetarians and vegans around, and I don't <laughs> think I don't think just because I was thinking about the you know these specific couples, and I I don't think it will, but um, I might. But it was also you know you're you're dealing with you know feather. I knew I wanted to rhyme something with feather, and. Uh, I, but I didn't want it to be together. You know, I didn't want it to be one of the standard uh, rhymes and leather strikes me as I don't, I don't, I don't think I've heard, I'm sure somebody's rhymed it before, but I, I can't think of, it's not a common rhyme that I don't think it's too cliche, I guess is what I'm saying with, yeah. with feather. So uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of, it was really, really fun to write this uh, just trying to come up with a few uh, plays on words. I don't have as many there, but I, I knew that I wanted to tie in with the leather jackets. I wanted to bring out kind of that classic Hollywood thing. And that's where Brando comes in because I was trying to think of uh, uh -huh. movie stars that are iconic with that, that leather jacket. Uh, but then Emma, that's, that was a little tougher because I was trying to think of women that are iconic for leather jackets. And uh, you know, you could get up to like Joan Jett, you know, maybe, and I thought about that, but then I was trying to think of, I wanted to think of somebody a little bit further back. Um, and Emma Peel from the Avengers was, she didn't wear a leather jacket, oh. but she wore the leather cat suit. And so that was, yes. I, so I decided I was going to try to go with that. And, and I was going to do a pun in there about pants of leather <laughs> peeling peeling out of there or something yeah yeah it could have been pants of leather and oh. that might have made more sense but um but you know when you're listening to the song you're not going to know that anyway so it might as well be a jacket of leather but leather but that's but that's how i came up with the name emma um and then you know i i didn't do a cluster like you did but i certainly was trying to think of just just words that 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 go with it. I think you know ornithologist. I I don't know about you, but I love it when I can fit in a big word like that. <laughs> if I can get a big meaty word in into a song and it it still kind of flows, and I think it I think it succeeds here. Um, I I, I love that, and um, and I also just like the I idea that you know, like music. There are people that are music aficionados, but they may not be musicians themselves, and. And so you've got these songbirds there, but you have the the really uh, 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 detailed uh, oriented um, uh, 
uh, uh, you know, fans who are just have all this arcane knowledge about what they're seeing and they and they can appreciate it in a way that that other people may not be able to. So uh, that that kind of created that kind of critical uh, thing there. You know, if there was if there was a bird that uh, this song would be about the the magpie magpies are the bikers Ooh. of the bird world. Okay, kick butt and take names. Uh, the what made me decide to study magpies was I I I saw magpies land on bears just like that picture. I I took my brother out to see a golden eagle nest when I was in grad school up in Fort Collins. And uh, so we drove out in the middle of a snowstorm and we watched the nest and the female was on the nest uh, incubating the eggs and the male eagle flew in with a duck, a mallard duck that it had just caught and it landed on a branch quite a ways away from the nest. And as soon as it landed, two magpies came up, one in front of the eagle and one behind the eagle, and one magpie pulled the eagle's tail while the other Ooh. one reached in and grabbed pieces of the duck away from it. And then they swapped places. <laughs> and they were, you know, had no fear of bears or eagles or anything else. They'll fly into your backyard and steal your dog's food right out of the bowl <laughs> while your dog is watching. They are the bikers of the bird world. That's and a ballsy we, bird. We call them that's a ballsy bird and <laughs> this this song capture uh, you know jackets made of leather magpies yeah, yeah that that picture of the magpie on the on the bear probably got you thinking about ballsy bird well I, you know it was maybe maybe subconsciously because I don't I didn't know that they were a ballsy bird so but this is but from from henceforward these shall be magpies in this song I love that I love that um well let's see here wearing I guess jackets I, of leather wearing jackets of leather my my roommate was a little bit disturbed by the leather jackets in the sense he was like but how could they fly they're so heavy and I'm like they're, they're cartoon birds they're you know these are these are yeah. not these are, yeah they're 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 you know the jackets are they're they're built for the birds um so okay so I guess I have to I have to give a self-critique of the song here um I think it mostly came out pretty well. I, I feel like I, I probably could put some more bird references in there. I think the the part that really... I, I wasn't terribly satisfied with the guitar part, partially because I feel like I've kind of covered similar territory in that, that chord progression, uh, at least just the first two chords of the chord progression. And so part of me mm -hmm. feels like I need to come up with something a little bit different. I, I tried to do that consciously while I was writing it, but uh, I don't know that I succeeded as much as I would like to. The other How did part, you feel about the bridge? The bridge is, that's the other part that I'm a little bit uh, not happy with. I mean, I and when they leap into the air... I have, I think, one too many chords there. I go, when they leap into the air, and I bring it down, and I don't know that I want to bring it down uh, after I, when I say air. And then I, re I repeat, follow if you dare, several times, and it feels like too many times. So I want to change that up a little bit. I mean, I like the sentiment, but I... 
I feel like I repeat it too many times. I don't think it has the nice build up and release like your your repetition does in the chorus in your song. Do you have any any thoughts there? Any recommendations? Well, uh, the, it does seem like it needed the bridge um, to break up the, uh, the verse, 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 uh, and the verses are two parts. Um, there's really two two different chord structures True. going on in the verse, but there's no there isn't a chorus. Uh, so I liked, I was ready for the bridge when you mm -hmm. got to it. And it has the potential to really, as I said, a, a bridge has another function of giving an, a vocalist a chance to just show off. And the follow if you dare, um, maybe one time too many, but there, that repetition is an opportunity for a vocalist to really do that. Um, so I think I think having the bridge is a good idea. Um, you might want to uh, play with your melody in the bridge a little bit. The chords, chord structure was different and new and and felt interesting to me. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, see where you could keep keep the repetition of follow if you dare in there and maybe play with your vocals a little bit to see where it might want to take you. I I. I think one of the, the best things that I'm taking away from this interview is the idea that the bridge is an excuse to, or an opportunity to, to uh, showcase vocals and, and embellishments in that regard. And that, I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll look through it again and, and really try to try to set it up to maximize that, that potential there. I, I, I love that idea. A good example of using a bridge to really, highlight the vocal part and and give the song a peak that you're rising to both vocally and in terms of tension is daryl scott's long time gone uh the dixie chicks covered it and turned it into a big hit for daryl um but when you get to that bridge in that song the vocals just soar out of sight and then it comes back down to a new level a uh, still uh, a platform above the the other verses before it, but you've you've just amped up that energy in the song, and given the vocalist a chance to really go out on a limb, and uh, and shine, and your bridge has has uh, certainly a potential to do that in this song, and I think that's going to be just a a feature of. Uh, experimenting with your vocals doing the bridge over and over and over again to see where that melody of the bridge itself wants to take you hmm. and then lead and and as it leads into that third verse excellent advice i, I look forward to trying to work it in uh, work on it in the in that song so and other Me too. Going i want forward i think i want to cover it Ooh, ooh! I like the sound of that. Uh, well, we'll 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 talk about that later. Okay. But that's okay. Um, all right. Well, we have come to that portion of the of the show where if you've got something you want to promote, this is this is the time to do it. Uh, do you have do you have any? Well, you have a new album, and uh, where can people go to get that? You can get it everywhere. Uh, all right. Um, the 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 best place for me to get it uh in terms of percentage of revenue of course there's my own website uh which is www.ericrichardstone.com uh you can download right from that site um 
and uh, you can also find it on all of the major streaming and downloading sites uh, that there are and it's called kitchen table um, good collection of kind of diverse songs that I've recently written fantastic well Eric, this has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, I, you've just, you're just a really insightful guy, and you, you have uh, uh, your own u- unique angle of, of, of pursuing a song, and I feel like I learned quite a bit. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your, your, your gorgeous songs. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure, and uh, as a songwriter, I'm always learning. Uh, I, I'm just hungry for new knowledge myself, and it's uh, great to have the opportunity to share some of the things that have really made a difference for me uh with your audience absolutely all right well that's a wrap uh be sure to like and review the podcast and and you can follow me on twitter at david l coyle or on facebook at dave coyle's musical extravaganza if you have any questions for me or about any of my guests you can email me at rawsongwriting at gmail.com if you've enjoyed this week's episode please consider contributing to the program via venmo at dave coyle or paypal.me slash dave coyle In the meantime, keep your songwriting raw and riveting. They were born, they hatched a plan To fly off to a foreign land Soar up to inspiring heights A bird's eye view to see the sights But they'd come down to share their songs To sing for us Dust till dawn, rebellious tunes that stand forever like birds of a feather wearing jackets made.